This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condes Presley, and our program today, you're going to meet a newcomer, sort of, to our city. She is Ebony Dion. She is the newest member of Severe Weather Team 2. She joins the team of meteorologists at WSB Television, and you are here in studio. Ebony, when do we see you on Channel 2? I am on weekend mornings, so Saturday and Sunday mornings on WSB. Saturday, um, our schedule is from 6 to 9, and then again at noon. And on Sundays, we're on for much of the morning, so you can catch us between 6 and 8, again from 9 to 11, and again at noon. Now, I hinted that this isn't your first visit to the city, so you've moved back to Atlanta, right? How did you end up here? Yes, it's been about 10 years since me and my family lived here. We first lived here back in... um, 2001 to about 2010. So we spent about 10 years here. My first son was born here. I was married um, in the area. And so we have a lot of history here. And so we were excited to get back. But we've um, kind of toured a little bit across the southeast or really a lot of the east. We've been to New York and the Midwest and Orlando. So yeah, but we we love the Southeast and especially here in Atlanta. So it's just, it's as if you're home again. It is. This is what we consider our second home. So yeah, our second hometown is what we like to call it. So yes. So now where's home for you originally? Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm born and raised there. So you're a Colts fan or Falcons <laughs> fan now, right? You, you pull for the Falcons, right? I am a Colts fan um, first and I'm also a Falcons fan. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about your interest in science. I, I really wanted to have you on the program because you are a meteorologist. You are a woman interested in science, and you are a woman who studied science, and you're, you're getting the job done. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, I loved observing the weather and anything that had to do with earth sciences and things of that nature. So growing up in Indiana, we had all seasons. So I got a taste of the winter, the fall, spring and summer. And I could never pick a favorite season. I liked something about every season, whether it was the changing colors of the leaves in the fall or in wintertime, seeing the snow falling summer. You know, it was the pool time because everything signified something different. So like spring, it was like, okay, we could break out our shorts. So it was just always that connection to each season. I think that drew me to my love for weather. And it wasn't until um, I was in high school, I was in a pageant, and we had to come up with this introduction. And it had to involve what you wanted to become. And I, I really, at the time, wasn't quite sure. And then I was like, you know what? I think I want to become a meteorologist. And it just stuck from that point on. So that was maybe my junior year in high school. But all growing up, I always enjoyed weather, but it wasn't until I had to pinpoint something that I wanted to, like, really focus in on as a career. So so how does somebody – it's one thing to say, I want to be a meteorologist. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the training that it takes to become a meteorologist. Oh, a lot of math, a lot of science. So um, especially in college, of course, that's when you really <laughs> figure out where you're going to get all your skill sets from. So it was a, a lot of math, a lot of science, a little bit of foreign language because you're learning um, different coding and things like that, or at least back then <laughs> when I was in college. But um, so, yes, yeah, so I got my training in undergraduate school, and that's when I realized, okay, I really do enjoy this. It wasn't something that I got into and said, you know, this really isn't for me. It was just that once I uh, zeroed in on the communications aspect and the broadcasting aspect of it, that's when I realized, okay, I, I can do this. I really do like it. 
So what did your, your parents, your family think about your career choice? Um, they were excited. They they loved it because when I was in high school, um, I excelled in, of course, my core subject areas, but I also did um, what we called Votech classes, vocational skills. So I was in cosmetology. <laughs> so my mom did not approve so much, but I loved playing in hair and makeup and learning how to cut hair and things of that nature. So I love the artistic um, aspects of that, but at the time, my mom was, you know, thinking like seriously, <laughs> she just did not want me like, to go baby, down you that can do path. Than that. Exactly. Not that, but no, I mean, no, no, no. Exactly. I don't mean that to disrespect. No, exactly. We would yes. be lost without, without our stylists. Yes, we need them. But she just wanted me to do something different because my older sister had gone through cosmetology and she had become licensed, and she's like, okay, she's just doing what her older sister wants to do. But I know she can, you know, find something else that um, she could excel in. So. When I was in cosmetology, um, my parents just allowed me to continue on. But when they learned about the meteorology interest, they were like, yes. <laughs> so just you and your sister? Um, I have an older sister. Um, I have two older sisters, actually. And my oldest oldest sister, she's a social worker. My middle sister um, did not continue her career in cosmetology. <laughs> but um, so I did not finish my career in cosmetology either I ended up becoming a meteorologist instead so, so you're the baby so yeah, of the I am the baby all girls oh, so you got away with everything <laughs> kind of of course my sisters would totally agree but I don't think so but yeah yeah they maybe. allowed me to express myself I can say that much <laughs> so where did you study because it takes a series of degrees to actually become a meteorologist I assume yeah um you at least need a bachelor's in meteorology and I obtained that from Jackson State University it is the only historically black college or university that allows you to complete a degree in meteorology there are some other schools out there that offer classes but to actually get the degree Jackson State is the one and only so how hard was it for you to get that first job as a meteorologist at a television station? Um, I would say that it was not as hard as people um, would like to, you know, say or make you think. I mean, of course, everyone's path is different. Sometimes you fare better than what you would think your path would take you. So, um, so yeah, for me, I don't think it was that difficult. I did work in what people would probably describe as like a sweatshop, but that's a lot of us in this industry. When you're first starting out, you will do all kinds of jobs just to get your foot in the door. So I was working at a small ma and pa um, type of shop in Jackson, Mississippi, and we did web uh, forecasts, we did radio, and we also provided television forecasts for very small markets that did not have their own newscast. Or if they did have a full newscast, maybe they weren't fully staffed and didn't have a meteorologist on the team. So we would do um, weather breaks. So we covered over 100 cities doing the internet um, forecast. And so, so yeah, so it was, it was a lot, <laughs> but it was great because that gave me all of the broadcast um, practice that I needed. And that was my very first job. And at that time I was doing that job. I was also still in school. So I was a student and then I was working. And from there I went to the weather channel. So that's not a path that most people would take. You know, in school, everyone always said, you know, you have to work your way up. You're going to work in a very small market in the U.S., which Jackson was a small market, but I was only there for a year and a half. 
and then I went to the Weather Channel, as opposed to being in several small markets, you know, and working my way up that ladder. So I was fortunate. Two years here, two years Mm -hmm. there, five to, you know, almost 10 years to get to, Mm -hmm. if a major market is your desire. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, you did a year and a half in Jackson right out of school and then went to work at the Weather Channel. And that's what brought me to Atlanta. So tell me about your family. Um, I have a husband and three children. My son is nine. I have a daughter who is seven. And I also have a baby. My daughter is 22 months. So I have my hands full. (laughs) But we are loving each other and just enjoying seeing them growing up. And it's really going pretty fast. How do you manage the work-life balance of being a spouse, a parent to three children under the age of 10, and full-time employment? I mean, there are moms listening all over the city who do it every day, but everybody's listening for somebody's new tip. (laughs) It is difficult. There's no way around it. It is hard to create that balance, but everyone, um, you know, has to do the juggling act that's in this position. So, Here and there, I will try to put in um, time with my children. So, of course, I work weekend mornings, but in the afternoons, I might forego a nap in order for us to have an outing together or something so that I can spend that quality time with them. Also, on my days off, since they're weekdays, um, we send them to after-school programs. But on those days that I'm off, I pick them up, and then we might do something together and do homework and things of that nature. So I always make sure that we have that time together, that we're doing things actively as a family, as opposed to just skipping out on those things. And um, now that we're just here, that we've just moved here, um, they're not involved in any extracurricular activities as of yet, but I'm sure they will. But when we were um, in Orlando and they were in dance and in basketball, if it was a Saturday morning game, during my break, I took off, I went to the game, came back to work. And cover the news and weather. So you just have to get it in when you can. In covering the weather, I know for Channel 2 you will do field reporting during the week. Over the course of your career, talk to us about the storm coverage or storm damage that you've been able to witness and report on firsthand. I know, I mean, with being in Orlando before you were here, I mean, it's like Hurricane Alley coming up this way sometimes. Um, it is. And so far um, here in Atlanta, I have not had to go out on any severe weather coverage as of yet. You know, we're still early in the season, but um, I'm sure there's going to be that chance that I do go out and cover some things. But in Orlando, while I was there, um, the thing that sticks out most to me is Hurricane Irma. That was our very first hurricane as far as actually living through it. I've covered almost anything you can imagine. However, living through it was a totally different type of situation. Um, so. Um, Simply because I was at work, my family was at home, they did not evacuate, so they stayed. And so knowing that Irma was bearing down on Central Florida and my family was at home at the time, my baby was an infant. And so that was like, um, it was very challenging for me to stay focused, but I did it because that's what I had to do. I had to cover it and make sure that I was keeping viewers safe, keeping them informed, and then also trying to make sure that I was checking on my family at home. So it was long. It was, you know, a very extended period. I'm sure it felt like it was longer than what it actually was. But then to go out, um, because of course there were curfews in place, but finally when things finally calmed down and we were able to leave the station and just seeing that calm over the entire city because the curfews were still in place, but I was able to go home, see trees down and just see um, the different impacts that the storm had left behind. It was a very eerie feeling and um, I would have to say that that was the most impactful system that I've ever covered. 
because it was just that challenge, you know, of making sure, okay, is my family safe? You know, do they have power? And I'm still trying to, you know, keep everyone else informed. This is going to sound like a weird question, but I think regular people think this. Do meteorologists and forecasters get excited when a storm is coming? (laughs) We do simply because that's what, you know, that's what we work for. We work for the changes in our weather. It's never the same day to day. So even on a quiet day, it might be quiet where we live, but there's weather taking place somewhere. There's some action. So when we get that active weather, it's like a certain energy that builds up. So of course, we want to make sure that no one is hurt. But it is amazing to see all of the elements coming together and Mother Nature just unleashing. So so yeah, it's a level of excitement. But at the same time, we do understand that do understand rather that um, we don't want to see anyone, you know, lose their homes or have property damage and things like that. That part is not fun. That is not, you know, anything that we're excited about. So we're talking to Ebony Dion. She is the new meteorologist, WSB TV Channel 2. She You'll find her on Weekend Morning. She made that stealth debut on TV over the holidays, I think. And now you're on every Saturday and Sunday morning. When we were kids, or when I was a kid, you know, we'd watch the weather on the news and there was the big map and normally the the meteorologist had magnets and he would just put things up on the map and there was an arrow here and the sun there and you know, I'm kind of dating myself. But for our audience, many folks will remember uh, that kind of technology. How significant is it the tools that you all have to be so accurate in your forecasting today? The tools have changed quite a bit since then, and we have a lot more technology at our disposal, which is great because it does allow us to forecast more accurately. But what people don't understand is that meteorology is not an exact science. It's not? (laughs) No, it's not. So even though it might look like things are coming together to uh, form this perfect scenario, it doesn't always happen. So then that's when we kind of get the backlash and people are thinking like, oh, they're guessing. Well, our guesses are educated guesses and they are based on the technology that we have, which is very good and Uh, highly advanced considering where we've come from. Um, But there's still a lot of work that's being done, still a lot of research. So we're always working to get things even more accurate than where we are right now. All right. So I'm going to get you to take us to weather school for just a little bit. I, I notice in watching the forecast, you guys often talk about this model or that model. Sometimes they agree. Sometimes they don't. What are you guys looking at when you're you're seeking to make those educated guesses. So there are several models that we look at, and we do like to tell people that um, enjoy looking at weather in their free time that just one mo- looking at one model is not smart and it's not the best choice to make. So the models um, that we talk about are the GFS, the NAM, the European model. Those are all different kind of forecast models um, that we look at to see, okay, how is the weather going to play out over the next several days? But they all might say something different. So that's when we have a level of uncertainty sometimes in the weather. But based on um, what's been happening, based on how each model is verifying as far as like what's happening now and how does this model performed, then then we kind of base our forecast going forward with the ones that are performing the best over the last few days or which ones typically perform best based on the scenario that we have in place. So there are several models that we do look at, but those are just some of the more popular ones. And, and those... who puts those together? I mean, I, I've heard about the European one a lot because 
and you guys talk about that one a lot, but you gave us a couple of other examples. Who does those? So they're com- computer-generated models. So we have the American model, the European, we have the Canadian, and there, then there are others. And when you look at current conditions, talk to us a bit about the science of figuring out how you put together your forecast. So when I, I'll, I'll just walk you through my my forecast um, and how I go about it. So when I come in, I check out observations as far as what's happening now. I will also look at the models, which we just talked about. And then I will look at um, what has happened in the past uh, 24 to 36 hours. So just, you know, kind of saying, like, if we were looking for rain to come in, I'd look and see, you know, have we had any rain so far? You know, uh, what's going on? What kind of clouds? Are we dealing with what kind of moisture level? So it's there's a ton of things <laughs> that we, like, put together. But once, you know, you do it over time, it seems kind of simplistic, but I'm sure someone else coming in would say, okay, that's a that's a lot of data. But we really do have to look at a lot of data to try to put our forecast together. So um, I will tell you that we go out about five to seven days, but anything beyond that is um, not the best. And so things are always changing. So we always try to keep our forecast within that particular time span, because anything beyond even three to five days gets a little bit tricky and, you know, it's not as um, accurate. Because you're not working with the most current data. Right. And, and of course, models over time, you know, and that's why I say our technology is great, but, you know, it's still evolving and we're still working to fine tune things to get those long range, you know, things a little bit more. Uh, accurate. So can we look forward to seeing you out in the community visiting with students and young kids and encouraging, I think, especially girls to be like you, interested in science, that STEM? Most definitely. Um, I think I'm already scheduled to go out in the spring to visit a school. So, um, so yes, definitely. I would love to visit um, more schools, whether it's um, the elementary level, middle school, high school. I love the younger groups, though. They're definitely more engaged, and um, and they just are excited to learn about the new things. But there are some older ones that are interested, too, and would love to know more about the career as a whole. So, yeah. Who inspires you? Um, I would have to say that my parents definitely are my first line of inspiration, but there are a number of people um, that inspire me whether it's other meteorologists that I've worked with in the field, other colleagues, or um, just people that I've come in contact with along the way. But I would have to say, first and foremost, my parents, obviously. <laughs> Did you ever have instance to you know, stub your toe, get a forecast? I don't want to use the word wrong, but the, the calculations weren't as you expected and the outcome was not what you forecast. And, and how'd you deal with that? I mean, I'm curious as to how you deal with adversity. Oh, yeah, it, it happens. And it's that, that wasn't the first, wasn't the last time. <laughs> it has happened before because, again, it's not an exact science. Things sometimes look like they're going to be a certain way, but it doesn't always end up that way. So, so yeah, you cringe. You deal with um, the viewers, you know, saying, okay, you guys said this was going to happen. This didn't. Instead, this happened. So, you know, you deal with it. You roll with it the best way you can, and you – are thinking positive and go forward to the next because you have to keep moving forward. You know, you can't, um, you just can't worry about the things that have occurred that are beyond your control because at the end of the day, weather is beyond our control. So, Ebony, last year was the one of the wettest years, I think the second wettest year since you guys started keeping records. Uh, have you been able to look ahead or we have any ideas to what we might be able to expect here in the early parts of the new year? 
Well, within the next uh, 24 to 36 hours, the rain that's coming in will produce at least one to two inches of rainfall. But going forward over the next two, maybe to four weeks, it looks like for now we could be below normal or near normal as far as our precipitation goes. But that's not to say that the rest of 2019 won't make up for those lost times. So we'll definitely be watching and monitoring things. But things are changing, that's for sure. How is forecasting for Metro Atlanta different from forecasting in Central Florida? Oh, it's quite different because um, here in uh, Atlanta, we're landlocked. So we have land on both sides, but we still get that Gulf of Mexico influence. In Orlando, um, I had to track sea breeze thunderstorms, and thunderstorms didn't last as long. You know, we could pretty much set our watch by it. You know, there would be a storm that rolls through in the afternoon. By the evening, we're dry, warming back up. So um, we had the tropical environment in Orlando, and it was very nice, warm (laughs) year-round. So forecasting there was a little bit different because even if we knew that we were going to have storms rolling through, they were quick-hitting storms. They weren't um, as long-lasting. We got sunshine to break through the clouds. We didn't have the clouds around as long. So, so yeah, it was a little bit different, but, um, but it was good. And I'm enjoying being here because the weather is a little bit more dynamic. And by that, you mean it's going to change? Yeah, it changes a lot more frequently. So in Orlando, we had the wet season, dry season. Warm year-round. It was very nice, and I loved being in that, but I'm excited to come back to some place where we have seasons. So we'll have the seasonal changes as well as day-to-day changes. So there's always something to talk about here in Atlanta. What is the most rewarding thing for you as a meteorologist? Um, It's going to sound so simple, but for me, the most rewarding thing is being able to um, be that presence for younger girls that look out and say, well, what can what can I be when I grow up? And they see me and they're saying, you know what? She looks like me. I could I could do that. I can become a meteorologist. I can be a scientist. I can enjoy um, the weather. I can, you know, have a career in weather. I could get paid to do that and inform people. You know, it, it impacts everyone in some way or another. The weather impacts everyone. So to be able to have that kind of um, role in people's lives and then to be a role model for younger girls, I think that that's, um, it's just rewarding to know that I have that presence out there. And so young girls can look up to me. Absolutely. And we can all get the jump on whether or not it's going to be a good hair day or a bad hair day. (laughs) Because the weather definitely influences that. Well, Ebony Dion, we want to make sure that people can follow you and get that First, look at the forecast and the things that you are doing on social media. How do we do that? Uh, I can be reached on Twitter, Ebony, E-B-O-N-I, Dion, D-E-O-N, W-S-B. So Ebony, Dion, W-S-B on Twitter. Facebook, it's Ebony, Dion, W-S-B, TV. So again, just remember Ebony is spelled with an I, E-B-O-N-I, Dion, D-E-O-N. Ebony Dion, welcome home. Welcome back to Atlanta. We are delighted to have you in the city and even more happy to welcome you into the WSB family. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, MyAndalusCondo29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.